welcome to On Focus, brought to you by the Focal Therapy Clinic, where we connect you with issues facing men diagnosed with prostate cancer that are little known, less understood, often avoided, or even ignored. Prostate cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer amongst men in the UK. And with this somber fact comes a multitude of challenges and opportunities. I'm Claire Delmar. Joining me today is Mark Laniato, consultant urologist at the Focal Therapy Clinic and a leading innovator in imaging-led diagnostics and targeted treatments for prostate cancer. Mark has been a dedicated practitioner and vocal advocate for the rights of patients to be informed about their treatment choices from his base at Friendly Health, where he is prostate cancer lead at Wexham Park Hospital. He's here today to talk with me about how patients can be supported through decision tools. And he's gonna talk specifically about one that he uses with his own patients. Mark, thank you for coming. I'm really excited to hear about your empowering of patients through some of these interesting tools. So thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thanks, Claire, uh, for having me back again. Well, it's always yeah. good to be with you. Yeah, yeah, Thank yeah. You. We're getting used to this now, aren't we? So, Mark, before we go into the, what the tools are, I, I just want to set the stage a little bit and ask you about this mental state that your patients are typically in when they come to you for consultation following a prostate cancer diagnosis. Well, often um, they come to me to get the diagnosis, uh, mm-hmm. so they don't even have it. And obviously, as you can imagine, they're, they're a bit anxious. Uh, sometimes um, very quiet, sometimes contemplative. When I start talking about the results of biopsies, um, it usually gives the patients a bit of a warning shot to try and make them aware that maybe there's some serious inf- information coming mm. in to, to, for them to understand. And, and that always focuses their attention a bit more. And then when we deliver you know, the sad news that someone has prostate cancer, obviously that's quite a shock to people. So even, even though most of them will have been coming through a diagnostic pathway where actually we're trying to work out whether prostate cancer is there or not. Mm-hmm. Many men and their families are still somewhat shocked or surprised when they actually hear they do have prostate cancer. You know, with it comes sometimes a bit of de- denial or disbelief or they, they, the words go through their ears, but it doesn't seem to, you know, make any sense at that point. And yeah. it's difficult sometimes for people to take it in. So it is, it's quite a difficult time for, for patients when they get the news. I mean, one of the things I guess I was alluding to when I said about following a diagnosis is because often yes. people come to you for a second opinion. So I guess I was yes. thinking about some of those too. But I, th- I think you've, you've addressed this. And, you know, as you say, it's a difficult time. And, and I guess, you know, that, that's one of the reasons why it's so, difficult to actually give this information and to have it, you know, sort of processed quickly. Yeah. Uh, so so when, they, when I've told them and maybe they've come back as second time but men are very obviously anxious at that point that they see most people want to know they're going to live their lives out as long as possible uh, they want to try and avoid the side effects of treatment if they need treatment and they often want uh, the treatments that sometimes are a little less accessible uh, they want they want treatments which maximize that ratio of benefit to harm so you have the maximum amount of goodness if you like at least amount of badness and so there's a mixture of hope there's a mixture of sometimes desperation you know, sometimes there's sadness too, but mostly it's it's hope and uh, gusto for trying to get something done with the least amount of potential carnage as a consequence of that treatment. So one of the things that I'm hearing a lot from a lot of our patients is that when they have received um, a diagnosis elsewhere, they, they're sort of handed a whole packet full of brochures and, and, and other things. And, and I think for some men, they can find this overwhelming. And so you know, I think when when you've told me about, you know, something called a decision tool and specifically one that you use developed here in the UK called predict prostate, you, you've said that that 
can really change the, the process of making a decision. Can you talk a bit about that? Sure. So when a man's told he has prostate cancer, often it's sort of how, well, how long have I got to live? You know, am I going to be around, around this Christmas next year? You know, what, what's my outlook? And traditionally, we've been, as doctors, we've not been able to tell people exactly how well they do just by no treatment, how well they'll do with treatment, and what are the potential side effects from that treatment that they might receive. Mm-hmm. So there's been some fantastic work in developing the Predict Prostate tool available on the NHS uh, online to all people who want to go to it. That tool really empowers men when they're deciding about what sort of treatment they're going to have, how much treatment they're going to tolerate. You know, so for example, if you, you can imagine if, if you're told that you've got cancer and you, you may have a, a year or two to live or something of that, that nature, you might say, well, I'll take whatever treatment you can give me as drastic as it, as it may be to give me the maximum amount of life expectancy that, that's possible. But, um, you know, your, your attitude might be slightly different if it turns out that, well, actually, the chance of dying from this disease in the next 10 or 15 years is actually relatively low. Uh, and, and so armed with that knowledge that disease perhaps may not be as threatening as you first thought you might think of things or think of treatments in a slightly different way and you might be more willing or open to consider other options that could come up so, so how does it work i mean we use the word tool and you, you mentioned the word online yeah. in, in some of your descriptors but t- can you talk me through how you've actually used this with a given patient yeah well it's very easy so i mean a patient comes to see me with a diagnosis as you say. So we have bits of information that we can use and which go into the calculator. So um, a man comes to see me, I have the information, uh, I just Google predict prostate. So you need to know the patient's age, mm-hmm. uh, the PSA value, the mm-hmm. Gleason score, uh, mm-hmm. and the number of cores with cancer, if you have it, the number of cores without cancer. Um, you need to know also whether the patient has any other serious health conditions, like having had a heart attack or being in hospital the last two years for some serious condition. Mm-hmm. Um, what the prostate feels like, and and you need to know a few other bits of, about the pathology. So, for example, if there's something called cribriform pattern present, uh, things of, a few things like that. But the data are readily available okay. to most people who've recently had a diagnosis of prostate cancer, uh, and so it's very very easy. Mm-hmm. So last week, uh, I, mean, I remember a chap who's 64. Uh, his PSA was about a five. Um, he had prostate which felt probably normal, maybe slightly abnormal, but not overtly abnormal. Um, he had uh, no other significant health conditions. So he hadn't been in hospital the last few years for anything at all. He had an MRI scan followed by biopsies. Uh, the biopsy showed Gleason score three plus four equals seven. So for people who don't know, um, tumors are graded by Gleason score or grade group with increasing severity. Mm-hmm. So Gleason score three plus four is actually grade group two, which on a scale of one to five, so it's grade group two, so it's not too bad. Mm-hmm. And most people, uh, given that di- diagnosis, that information, uh, would think, um, well, actually, you know, we need to rush into treatment, well, we need to have treatment perhaps fairly soon, not realizing, in fact, the chance of dying, I don't have the calculator right in front of me now, but the chance of dying is probably around four or 5% at 10 years, probably not much more than that. Mm-hmm. And uh, even if you have, treatment the impact isn't that great as much as people might think anyway so if you take 100 men that means of those 100 men four might die from prostate cancer and maybe another 10 or 15 maybe less would die from some other cause but most men would still be alive mm-hmm. and if you have treatment 
as I say, surgery, that's radical treatment. I mean, surgery or radiotherapy. It doesn't actually give you 100% cure. It still seems that about half the men who have the treatment, unfortunately, still succumb from the disease. So radical treatment is not a guarantee of cure, if you like. So how do men feel about that? Well, if you're thinking, well, I've got, you know, should I have a really radical treatment like a surgery to remove the prostate or six weeks of radiotherapy and hormonal therapy for a mm-hmm. disease where, in which, you know, if you take 100 people like me, only four or five of them might die from it. And then only two out of those 100 men who get treated might actually benefit from it. So, you know, that means you'd have to treat 50 men to get one extra man alive at 10 years. So 50 men have to have treatment for one extra, ma- extra man to be alive. And yet, of those 50 men, you know, a significant proportion might get side effects. And so the benefit to side effect ratio, many men might think isn't that great. You know, they might think, well, this, is, this, isn't, this, isn't, this isn't fantastic. Isn't there a way of having some form of treatment which hopefully retains most of the benefits, yet doesn't have so much toxicity, so much side effects. And, and, and that's why people, you know, then actually start thinking, well, maybe a focal therapy, partial ablation, focal therapy is the way to go because you can then get treatment to the tumour yet you can avoid most of the side effects traditionally associated with treatment. I mean, that's, that's interesting. So are you suggesting that for men that have the relatively, you know, stage two, the grade two lower Gleason scores, localized yeah. cancer, that this tool is a way to avoid over-treatment? Is that a fair statement? Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of men, when they look at those numbers, say, well, I shall go on to active surveillance. That is post-monitoring. Now, I'm not saying that you know, this is a blanket statement, you know, for every man like I've described right now, I should definitely have no treatment. That's not yeah. what I mean. Yeah. But it, it's, it's really about putting it into perspective. And the numbers will vary, you know, the, the proportion of men who die or live will vary depending on some other factors as well. But the point, the main point of this is that for most men who have uh, intermediate risk or favorable intermediate risk prostate cancer, they can actually, you know, they're, they're not that likely to die from it, certainly not in the near term. And it's worthwhile looking at some of the other options that, that can be used to treat people who have prostate cancer. So if you have a small focal cancer, if you have cancer in one part of your prostate, why not just ablate or destroy that area uh, realistically and do that alone rather than treatment to the whole prostate? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I guess what I'm driving at, though, is that a patient could reach that conclusion and make that choice based on a straightforward conversation with you on his own. But what I'm interested in is how the tool helps that decision. Well, it helps that decision because most patients, we tell them they've got cancer, they're going to die from it immediately. And so if you can show this, the the good thing about the tool is it gives you great graphical ways of looking at the data, several ways of looking at the outcome. So you you can show, you can graph figures, et cetera. So it's easily transmissible information. So it's a good way of communicating the information to a patient. You can print it out and the patients can take it away. All the patients can fiddle around with the data at home. They can do their own calculations and see how what they put in affects the outcomes. Now so, that, that is um, fascinating. And, and something I wanted to share with you is maybe you're aware of this, but I did some digging around before having this interview. And there, there's actually been quite a number of studies looking at these decision tools. I mean, this is around the world, mainly in the United States, as well as here in the United Kingdom. And, and one, which I found, and, and for our listeners, I'll, I will put this on the program notes, it compared these tools amongst men with localized prostate cancer. And, and it compared a few, and it showed that the, the ones that were the most simple actually led to choices of less aggressive treatment and also less treatment regret. 
But is that you've been your experience with predict prostate? Because that's fascinating. It's it's definitely revealing for patients, and they certainly when they understand whether they have serious disease or not, and they can see it in terms of life expectancy relative to the cancer, but also to the other health conditions. Because what, what I didn't say is that if, if you've got a lot of other health conditions, maybe prostate cancer is low down on on the list of things that might cause the unfortunate to die. So yes, it, it does make a big difference to patients and, and um, certainly helps a lot. So something else that I'm just picking up from what you're saying is that patients can access this themselves. They can go online, as you say, go on to the Predict Prostate website. Do you find that that's as effective in terms of ultimately their choice and their treatment, or is it something that you encourage doing sort of collaboratively as it were with you? Well, I, I do it in the clinic with my patients anyway. So I put the data in and I go through the results with them. But there's no reason why patients shouldn't put in the data themselves at home. It's constructed for patients to use. It's meant to be usable for patients. Now, it's not to say it's extremely simple, but you you need some knowledge of how to go around the website. But the information is written in a way that patients can understand. So yes, I would strongly recommend that patients get their own data, go onto the website, plug it in and see the outcomes and, and then use that information to decide on whether they want to have treatment, whatever treatment that is, or they want to perhaps not have any treatment, but also to see that if their risk of dying is not high, then maybe you know, consider either active surveillance or you can consider focal therapy, which will give you all of the benefits of treatment without sending the side effects. Indeed. Yes, absolutely. So this is called Predict Prostate, and it's actually online at www.predictprostate.co.uk. I will put this on the program notes, but um that's really helpful, Mark. And it's, um, you know, often we hear clinicians tell us that when when patients come to them, you know, armed with uh, various information they've gathered online, you know, it can, it can serve as a double-edged sword, but it sounds that in this case, that's not the reality at all. In fact, it's actually leads to a, a very productive discussion. It certainly does. I mean, it's probably one of the more useful things that people can look at when they're deciding what to do. Well, on that note, um, I'm just going to say thanks so much for sharing that. As I said, I will put the information about Predict Prostate on the program notes. And um, I think it's um, it's been really helpful to, to talk about this. And um, we'll probably come back to talking about this again and maybe even using a, a, a patient example. So thanks for introducing me to it and for our listeners. Thank you, Claire. It's been great to be with you. Thanks again. A transcript of this interview is available on our website, along with further information on diagnostics and treatment for prostate cancer and additional interviews and stories about living with prostate cancer. Please visit www.thefocaltherapyclinic.co.uk and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Focal Therapy Clinic. Thanks for listening. And for me, Claire Delmar, see you next time 